Hi, welcome to NDETV. I'm Peggy Robinson. Today's guest is Raymond O'Brien, and he's coming to us from the UK. Hi, Raymond. Hi, hello everybody out there in internet land. Uh, just before I start, thank you, Peggy, for inviting me on that. I very much appreciate that. Well, thank you for coming on. You're most welcome, you're most welcome. Um, my name is, uh, as Peggy said, Raymond O'Brien. Uh, I have survived, I've been resuscitated 10 times and have survived a further six heart attacks uh, since 2009. Um, I am very lucky to be here, as you, as you can imagine. Um, and it's lovely to be here, but it hasn't been the best of journeys, as you can, you can imagine. Um, being touched with cardiac arrest and heart attacks has a profound effect upon your life and uh, affects others around you who've uh, who are there to give help and care uh, so um this is a, a brief well as as succinct as i can keep it um this is what happened to me uh, i come from a family of seers uh, we uh seal sizzle on people and sometimes have the ability to take pain away um, I was driving home from work one day and the voice with a capital V inside my head told me, this was on a Wednesday, told me that Raymond, you're going to die. Uh, and I got home, panicked so much, I called my mother, and who, was, who was my teacher at the time, and um, I explained to her that, what the voice had told me. Mum um, didn't say a lot, because on the run up to this, I was drinking an awful lot. I was trying to run away from being a seer. I think that's probably the most, I didn't want it. Uh, I just wanted to lead a, a normal life. Um, so I wasn't listening to mum. Mum had advised me quite a few times, you need to stop drinking, you need to stop misbehaving. Uh, otherwise something bad will happen to you. So here I am, so I said, driving home, voice tells that I'm going to die. I ring mum, tell her this. The only answer I really got off her was, oh, which was unusual for my mum to say that. And, uh, so Sunday came, uh, Sunday night, I was playing some guitar in my, in my house. I came down from my sound room and um, I have a cat. Well, at the time I had a cat called Mr. B and uh, I had managed to save Mr. B's life. Um, he was attacked by a dog and I beat the dog off. And I remember saying to Mr. B, you owe me one. So if you bear that in mind, Sunday night comes, comes around, I lock up my sound room, walk down to the house, I get into bed and I suddenly felt these chest pains. Uh, I didn't think too much of them, to be honest, because I, I was doing some new chest exercises, so I, I expected some sort of chest pain, uh, the muscle pain, should we say. Um, so I turned over and I still had the pain and I thought, something's not right. I put my legs out of the, of the bed and I got down on the floor and I did 20 press-ups and that must have opened up the artery to my heart and I felt great. Got back to bed, lay on my side again. The artery must have closed off the return back to the heart. I got back out of bed, but this time with a real sense of urgency, my soul was saying to me, you are in big trouble, Raymond. You're in big trouble. So I've got out onto my stairwell landing, I've hit the light, bounced down the stairs, and in the corner of my sofa, in my, in my living room, was my cat, Mr. B. And as I hit the light on, he had this look on his face, which, which 
prompted me to say to him, as I see the look on his face, I went, I know, I know, boo, I'm in trouble. Uh, I, 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 have a, I had a cordless phone at, at the time, which I picked up. Someone said, you need to, to call for the ambulance. So I called, looked at the phone. And in the UK, if we want the dial emergency services, we hit three nines. Uh, I had the phone in my hand, but I, I distinctly remember hitting two nines. And then after that, I must have collapsed, must have just blacked out. And uh, so I'm, I'm lying on the floor. And the next thing that happens to me is that I smell something like smelling salts. And there's a rasp on, on my nose. And I'm, I'm, as I'm lying there, I've got, I've got the phone in my left hand and, and I've opened my eyes and there is my cat, Bill. And he's, well, I, he's like face to face and he's the one who, oh, God. so I'm sure it was his breath that actually brought me around. And I, I've managed to grab my senses and uh, I hit the last nine. And uh, I, I thought, I'm naked. Um, I got through to the operator. Uh, she asked me, what's wrong? What service did I require? Ambulance, please. I get through to the other operator. She asked me my symptoms. I start telling her my symptoms. And um, I've got the phone to my ear. And as I said, I'm naked. And she's telling me, just sit down and wait for the ambulance. And, and you know, there's the weird things that go through your mind. I'm thinking, I can't, I can't sit here and have two strangers come into my house while I start <laughs> naked and then walk me out. That's not happening. So I managed to get back up the stairs. I'm really, I'm really disorientated, Peggy. I haven't got the wardrobe door, and I, I think t-shirt, shorts, and uh, so put that on. I look behind me. Bill is following me around here, just like a dog. So I walk back down the stairs, um, very unsteadily. I make it to the to the to the settee, and I sit down. I'm still talking to the operator, and. Um, I said, I've, I've sat down now, really out of breath by this time. You know, I'm, I'm, at the time, I was a very fit guy, taking uh, the police. Uh, so I'm, I'm sitting there, and I, I thought, what time is it? And it was getting on for about quarter to 12 at, at night, my time. And um, I, I live in a very quiet place. So um, it's a small town. But I could, I could hear the ambulance turn in at the top of my road. Uh, the operator, I said, the operator here now, she said, leave the front door open. As I sat there on, on the sofa, I was disappearing fast, I, I must admit. I, I, I distinctly remember through, I'm sure it was through the lack of oxygen, of becoming one with my sofa. I just didn't feel anything. Um, Bill was sitting next to me and um, I remember my head was down and out the corner of my eye, I heard a tap at the there was a tap at the door and out the corner of my eye, the door opened and it was, it was the two paramedics. Uh, and um, I remember one of the guys went, he went, what's going on here, fella? He said, you look a bit ill. Uh, and I was puffing and panting. Uh, I said, yeah, I am. I've got the most dreadful chest pains. Uh, and, uh, he said, let's get you out to the ambulance. So I, I hobbled out, I, you know, shut the door behind me. I, I walked into the back of the ambulance. Uh, and, um, the guy was the driver and there was a female paramedic paramedic called Rebecca and um, she laid me down on the gurney she put all of the probes onto me and um, she said you have to breathe I, I just couldn't breathe I, you know and, uh, she put the pulse socks onto my finger and I, and I distinctly remember her saying your 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 oxygen levels are down to 26 percent rate you have to breathe and um, 
I started to vomit, which is a symptom of cardiac arrest or, or heart attack. And um, I gave her back the, the vomit bowl. And as she turned her back, something said, if ever there's a time to check out, now's that time to check out. And I remember putting my chin onto my right shoulder. And the next thing, I was, I was on the other side. It was, it was that uh, I was a tiny soul. Uh, and, uh, I knew where I was. I knew that I'd left my body. I, I didn't see my body. I just remember being on the other side. And um, the first thing that touched me was the wind. Uh, the, the wind kind of went through me and it was, it, I, I felt like it gave that whoever was there was like the okay. Uh, uh, so I remember looking down at my body, at my soul, and my soul was sexless. I was, I, I remember being maybe four foot tall. Um, as I said, there wasn't a stitch of clothing on me. And I remember looking at my toes and because the feeling of the grass under, under my feet was, was like the softest of softest fur you could imagine. And, and as my toes scrunched into it, I, I, it just felt alive. And it was, the colors were just so vivid. And I, I, was, I wasn't paying attention to, to what, else was going on around me. I was just mesmerized with, with, with this, this green grass between my toes. And as I looked up, the next thought I had was, I, I wonder where you go, Ray, to get your wings. And off, off, off in the distance, I could see two men and three women. And the three women were in discussion with the two men. Uh, they were all in white. One guy, an elderly guy, looked like, Father Christmas. Uh, there was another guy who was about 40 years old, silver beard, gray hair. Uh, and, uh, but the three women were, were, were just stunningly beautiful. And so I've got the two men and the three women. The first person to observe me was the first woman. And she just turned her head and she slowly looked at me and she just hit me with this incredible smile. And she spoke to the others. I didn't see no lips move, so I'm assuming it was through just mind talk. Uh, and the next lady leant forward and she looked and she smiled. And then the third lady, she looked forward and she gave me a smile. And I thought, well, what happens next? And it was like I was pulled towards them on some sort of cord. And I found myself floating next to the, the shoulder height, next to the 40 year old guy. And um, as I was next to him, I, I looked at him and then I went next to the guy who looked like Father Christmas. And he was reading a, a brown tanned book. And I heard one of the ladies say, Raymond's here. And he, he didn't even look up. All he said was, he shouldn't be here. And I knew I shouldn't have been there because when I first decided if ever there was a time to check out, I knew I was being sneaky and, 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 and off I went. So I understood when he said he shouldn't be here, well, at least I think I did. Um, and just with the movement of his hand, I came back into my body. And uh, the next thing I know is, is, is that I'm, I'm, I'm waking up and I've looked up and there's the female paramedic looking down at me. And uh, she went, are you okay, Ray? <laughs> I, I propped myself off on my shoulder. I looked up at her. I went, yeah, yeah. I said, I'm really sorry about that. I said, I, I was just on the other side there. She said, do you go on the other side a lot? 
I said, yeah, yeah, I do. I said, I, I come from a family of Sears. And uh, I said, if you park up, I'll make you, <laughs> I'll make you, it sounds bizarre now. I said, I'll, I'll make you a cup of tea and I'll tell you all about it. She went, no, no, Ray. She said, we're still outside your house. She said, you died. She said, your eyes are in the back of your head and we've had to resuscitate you. And she leant over me and, and flicked the clock. There's a, there's a, a digital clock in, in, in the back of the ambulances here. She said, you died at exactly 12 o'clock. That clock went to zero. And I, I don't know, it didn't mean nothing to me, but it obviously meant something to her. Um, and and, and I, I remember thinking, she's obviously got this wrong, but we'll go along with it, right, you know? Um, they, they've taken the time to come out to do whatever they, they've done to me. Uh, so I, I don't want to be unkind. I'll, I'll just go along with it. And uh, so we take off. I remember the blue lights flashing off the sides of the houses. The next thing we pulled up outside the, uh, the hospital, which thankfully was like only 10 minutes away. And uh, I remember the doors bursting open and, and being bounced out the back on, on this gurney and being wheeled through the corridors and the fluorescent lights just going over my head. I'm thinking they've, they've all got this wrong, that as soon as they find out, you're going to be back home in an hour, right? And um, they wheeled me into the ICU, ICU unit. And um, the next thing I hear is this, this beautiful Irish lady's voice who, who had come down to eye level with me. And uh, she said, we need your next of kin's telephone number, Ray. Uh, and I, I remember I turned to her and I went, am I that bad? And I was really shocked. And she went, yeah, you are. And I thought, wow. Um, and I remember looking at the clock and, and, and realising that my mum was quite old and frail. And, um, and I didn't want her to be rattled at that time of night, um, you know, because her son might not make it through through the evening. So uh, I, I said, well, here's my mom's telephone number, but don't ring her unless I don't make it. Like, you know, that's the only time I want you to call her. And, and then it went from paradise to just, just hellish. Um, um, they start, as, as much as I know, I actually know the cardiac, the cardiac rehab specialist in the hospital that saved my life, where we get on quite well. I often... Um, I've given a talk at this hospital about being resuscitated and the psychological effects of, of that happening to, to yourself. Um, so <clears throat> in my dealings with the, with the hospital that saved my life, um, I'm, I'm now a fully qualified um, clinician in, in counselling and psychotherapy. And all I deal with is, is the psychological ripples of surviving a cardiac arrest. But I come from, I have a foot in either world, the spiritual world, because obviously what happened to me. But to, to work with hospitals, I, I needed to, to become qualified to give credibility to, to the work that I do. Um, so Darren Valley Hospital, the hospital that, that saved my life, have been really gracious in allowing me to, to speak of them, to kind of be an ambassador for them, really. So, um, and that's what I do whenever you know, when, when I talk to people like yourselves, just to let others out there know that there are people out there who deal within this professional world, but have the experiences to, to really deal with you. So um, with all that in mind, there's a guy called Rob Morrison, head of cardiac resource. And I asked him with my dealings, what happens to us when we get brought into the ICU unit? And he said, Ray, he said, we just start pumping you with drugs. 
uh, a lot of these drugs can give psychotropic events. Some people may not come out of these events for quite a long time. So it gave me an understanding to try to sort the wheat from the chaff. So there I am back in the ICU room. The woman has said to me, we don't think you've got long to live. Um, uh, right, okay. I, don't, I remember accepting that uh, really, 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 really quickly. And uh, I felt like I was on a diving board and in front of me was this blackness. And, um, somebody was about to give me a boot up the backside and kick me into this blackness. And before that happened, I was still conscious and I was aware of the crash team doing what they had to do, putting the paddles on me and injecting me with, with whatever they were doing to me. And I started to feel cold. I, I got cold very quickly. And, and I remember out the corner of my eye, and, and I don't know what it is to this day, whether it's my life force, I don't know. I just see it slip out from almost from the side, from my side. I, I watched it and, uh, and I knew death was coming. And, um, and then I was gone. Um, then, they, then they brought me back again. Uh, and this went on and went on and went on. Um, they told me they stopped counting at five resuscitations, but they think nine is, is, is nine times eight. They're resuscitating in, in the ICU. I, re I remember being brought back. Uh, I remember being with my nose stuck on the ceiling, uh, falling back into my body. I remember another time being resuscitated again and um, being brought round and two people on either limb holding me down. And I remember one nurse saying, Ray, it's us, it's us, it's us, Ray. Uh, um, gone again. I, re I remember it happening again coming up like some sort of Hammer House horror movie where I came up at right angles. And, and I remember the staff recoiling, going backwards. And I, I remember my finger pointing at them all. And, and I cursed uh, and said that I needed that. And then I crashed back down and, and then this kept going on. And um, I'd, I'd went, gone to a place called The Grey, which uh, I've never forgotten about. It was the exact opposite of the first uh, event in the back of the ambulance. I had a, um, bearing in mind that I did come from a family of Sears. So people would more often than not come from around the world. I was a registered healer before I had my cardiac arrests. So in the UK, if you're a registered healer with the Healing Trust, it allows you to work within the hospitals. You're legally recognized as, as a healer. So I'd done all this before I'd had the cardiac arrest. So um, I was already getting exposure throughout the world through the Healing Trust. Um, so clients were starting to come to see me from around the world, um, either to help with, with their pain, um, because people would say, when I sit next to you, the pain stops. You know, and this, when I ended up, I'll get to that maybe at a later time, but I ended up working on a chemo unit after I had had my start to recover they asked me uh, and uh, through a, the, an incredible event so in the gray a guy from california had come over to see me uh before my cardiac arrest had a brain tumor we sat down i worked with him um i had great results with him and it was a, it was a terminal illness that he had and so he came to my house i worked on him his wife had told me Later on that, that he had passed, I called him California Dave. Um, and uh, she said, Dave didn't have a chance to thank you, but he wanted to thank you for all of, all of your help, you know? 
so I'm now go to the ICU unit and I've gone to this place called the Grey and I'm this tiny little soul. And I, I remember standing next to a, a man who had a great big grey overcoat on. And I remember floating up really slowly. And as, as I got to shoulder level, I, I'd realised that I was amongst a sea of people. And it looked like a crowd from maybe a rock concert who were all tightly packed together. They were all shifting along at a really slow speed. And as I've got up to height, to, to, up to day's eye level, I've looked over the head of people and there's the wind has appeared. Uh, but the wind was nothing like I had experienced in the back of the ambulance. That this wind was was scared the life out of me. It was like barbed wire and it cracked over people's heads. And as it cracked, it dissipated into this black kind of carbon dust. And nobody looked up, Peggy. Everybody had their head down. And, and as I got to the eye level of Dave, he went, Ray. I went, Dave. He went, what are you doing here? I went, I don't know what I'm doing here. And he said the same as, as, as Father Christmas. He went, you're not supposed to be here. I went, I went <laughs> and I kept floating up. And the next thing I, I feel is this like, ouch. And it was the paddles being applied again. Yeah, they're being electrocuted again. And, um, and this went on, this went on. By, by the time it stopped, I think it was about quarter past one. Uh, and I was exhausted. I remember the Irish nurse. Um, I, I, <laughs> I looked at her and I smiled. And uh, she went, oh, my God, it's, it's great to see you smile. Uh, um, and, and then at that moment, I, I don't know how, Peggy, but I knew it was all over. And um, But totally exhausted. And then they wheeled me in, onto the ICU ward. And uh, they put me on morphine. Uh, my, my teeth were cracked, my lads cracked ribs. Um, and then in the morning, one of the nurses, she said, there's someone here to see you. And uh, out of the corner of my eye, guess who it was? It was Rebecca, the paramedic, oh. who first saved my life. And she, she'd obviously finished the shift, but had, had, had wanted to have a chat. So as, as, she came, as she came walking towards me, she was within earshot, and I heard her say to her friend, here he is. She went, I can't believe he's still alive. Um, and she came and stood next to me. Um, and what she said, she said it was, it was just strange. Like, you know, the, the, the coincidence is that, you know, we were expecting to come to a, to, to a dead body, really. She said, if you have an out-of-hospital cardiac arrest, the chances of surviving on your own, uh, you know, I just like, she said, but when we start adding in that we were just having our tea break, which was close to your house, um, and, and, you know, the other coincidences, I can't remember them all, but it, it was, they were enough for her to come back just to see how I was. And um, so I was still numb. I, I, I didn't, I still thought I didn't even know where I was. Um, I thought it was all still a dream. So she disappeared. But one of the times when I died in the ICU, I remember sitting on my forehead, my soul. And I remember how cold my body was. I could feel it through the undersides of my feet. And there was a guy there called Barry. And I remember as I sat on my forehead, I looked to my left and he had, <clears throat> he said, he said to the rest of, of the ICU unit, he was about to give me another blast of the, 
resuscitation machine. And I remember him saying, if this doesn't bring him back, nothing will. And I remember my soul saying, he doesn't know that this is really going to hurt you. <laughs> so, like, he obviously, he blasted me. So fast forward next morning, the two ladies have gone. The next person who comes in is Barry. And he walks up to the right-hand side of my bed and he looks like left and right and he, and he leans in and he, he points his finger at me. And I won't swear, but he said, you are beep, beep, bizarre. And I, 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 remember, I remember looking up at him and I, and I said, why, why is that? He said, the amount of times that you came back last night, he went, it was, it was, it was just incredible. So he said, but I just wanted to pop in, like, you know, and, and, and off he went. Um, then the cardiac sister who ran the crash team, I was talking, she's become a great friend. Uh, I was talking to her about it uh, uh, not long after it. And I, you know, just trying to get some information about what, what went on that night in com to compare what I had still recalled. And uh, she said, you, you, were, you were virgin on the miraculous. She said, that's, that's all we could say. We couldn't believe you kept coming back. And uh, so she said, that's why we kept on. But I thought, boof. So, um, then my family came in, didn't recognize my family at all. Not, not a single one. They <laughs> said, your family's here. And I remember thinking, family? I've, I've got a family. Um, I, I, I had the conscious, the mindfulness to think, well, I can't say I don't recognize you because if they say they're my family and I say I don't know them, well, then they'll be devastated. You know, perhaps I'll, I'll tell them further down the line. I don't know. And, but for the, for the meantime, I'll, I'll go along with it. So, so I did, and, um, and then I got shot out of the hospital four days later, came home, didn't recognise the house, um, didn't know who I was, um, and then the seeing side became really, 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 really powerful. Um, I, I struggled with that. Um, I remember I was invited back to cardiac rehab uh, over here in the UK, if you have a cardiac arrest or strong cardiac history, um, you've been operated on, they'll ask you to come back for 10 days rehabilitation just to make sure you understand how you take care. So it's a really, it's a really good 10-day um, um, sessions to, uh, to attend. Um, so I, I, I go. I think, well, this, this will be great. Um, there was uh, a nurse who asked me one day because no, because I'd isolated myself from everybody, even in a short period of time, like, you know, maybe 10 days after the cardiac arrest, I, I still don't know what's happened to me. Yeah, I'm, I'm still thinking it's all a bad dream. And um, so I'm on my own. You know, my family are ringing me up and then asking me, how are you? And I'm, I'm kind of avoiding the calls. So many survivors out there um, you know, will probably understand that pretty well, why, why we do that. And uh, just to try to get some form of grounding. And um, so I, I knew nothing. I knew nothing about the symptoms of surviving a cardiac arrest. I, I, I knew, I just knew zip. Uh, I didn't know what to expect. Did knowing who you are and who your family was and stuff come back during that time? No, um, it, it, it that's a great question, Peggy. It took 
to be honest with you, and, and I can say this now because it's, 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 you know, my sister knows and because she was part of it, I, I had to say to my sister that I, I didn't, that I lied, that, you know, that was really a difficult thing to do. I, I had to confess and say that, you know, I don't recognize any of you, you know, I, I don't have that connection that I had with you all before my cardiac arrest. And, and I couldn't live the lie anymore. It was eating me up. Um, and, and then I, I told my sister one day and, and oof, yeah, that was, that was, um, yeah, I, I, I thought I was doing the right thing. Um, and I suppose I was in a way, but, you know, to, to put myself in my, in my family's shoes to hear me say that it must, well, it was devastating. I, you know, I, I didn't, Raymond who died that night, um, didn't come back. You know, it, it was start from ground zero again. And uh, so, you know, obviously, what, what connection have I got with you guys? I, I, I don't know. So it was something which I had to make and have made a conscious effort uh, to, to try and get back. Um, but my mum never came to... You did it out of kindness, though. Yes, yeah, yeah, I did. Yeah, 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 yeah. My, my mum never got over it. Uh, she never, she couldn't, and, and I don't blame her. She just didn't understand how that could happen. How, how could you not recognize your mum, uh, you know, uh, and, and the rest of your family. And that took a long time to come to terms with. And, um, uh, so mum passed without her really knowing the truth. She went into, uh, uh, Alzheimer's, she passed with Alzheimer's. So that was, that's one of the, the ouch things that I, I'll always carry. Um, but I think, again, it's something to, to talk about because many of us survivors are probably walking around with, with massive guilt issues. And, and it's something with, with my um, therapy work uh, I, I, I do when I speak to people uh, about these events, you know, um, these, to have these insights, to understand the impact upon the families I believe you, you have to go through the grinder to, you know, to sit in this position, the same as you, like, you know, you, you speak from personal experience and so do I, um, but there's, there's not many of us who enter the medical world as I've done, you know, you know to, to help others who, who don't know where we at, where we are at. So, uh, you know, again, I, I come from, from a clinical viewpoint, but also from a spiritual viewpoint and, and I've managed to combine the two. Um, so, so in that respect, I, I have a, a great deal of satisfaction about helping others. Um, so, yeah, I did. I did live a lie. Uh, you know, it was it was it was very difficult. Um, yeah, but do you still have happened. no memories of before this happened? Childhood memories? I, I have. I. I uh, the bizarre thing is I, I have lots of memories of, of being with my family. But it was the connection that had never come back. That was, oh. it was Raymond, Raymond O'Brien died that, that night. And then a new one came back after an hour and a quarter, uh, you know, and I never even understand the need to grieve for the loss of the old Raymond. You know, I was, you know, a, a for instance of, of how the connection was separated I, I spent nearly two weeks in my house thinking that I was on a, in, in a client's property uh, and, um, and I, I used to be a plumbing and heating engineer. So clients would give me the keys to the house with absolute trust and say, off you go and, and do your work. And, and, and that's what I would hold really dearly would be that trust, that 
you know, people left you your house right out, you know? So I treated my own house as a client. I thought it was a client's house. And uh, so would only cook, and, but somehow the mind would come to terms with, well, yeah, I know you're sleeping in a client's house, but we haven't got an answer for that. It just felt normal. So that was the disconnect that, that I, I was going through. Uh, so when I came back to cardiac rehab and, and one of the nurses said, what are you going to do now that you can't do your work anymore? That was the first time somebody had ever said that to me. Um, I, I, I remember standing there thinking, what? Um, but I remembered that I was a healer and that I come from a family of, of, of seers. So I, 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 I panicked. I, th I thought, oh, this nurse wants an answer. Uh, what, are, what am I going to do? Uh, and, and, I, and, I, and I said, well, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a registered healer. I'll, I'll hire a room here and I'll, and I'll see people here, uh, you know. She you said, couldn't what do, you... do the work you used to do because of your health? Yeah, um, because I suffered um, hypoxia, uh, and, uh, you know, lack of oxygen to the, to the brain. Okay. Um, it doesn't take a lot to blue screen me out. I, you know, um, so I, I became unsafe to practice, really. You know, I couldn't deal with gas. I wouldn't know if I got open-ended pipes. I wouldn't understand what procedures I'd have to do to make, to make safe before I work with gas. Uh, you know, so all of that was, uh, I, I, I still, well, in actual fact, I didn't even know I was a gas engineer as I was wandering around the house. I kept seeing my van outside and, and, and eventually it started to annoy me because th there was a van that wasn't moving. And then obviously deep in my subconscious, it, it had, it, it was saying it's your van, but I'm, I'm going, no, it isn't. Um, you know, so, it, you know, my name was on the side of it, said what I did, but I didn't associate uh, that there was even a motorcycle. And, and I remember thinking, this, this guy rides a motorcycle. Uh, <laughs> and uh, I, I had this crazy idea that I don't, know how, I don't know how to ride it, but I feel I've got to take it out for a ride. So, so I don't know how, maybe one or two weeks. I mean, like, it's really against the law. Like, you know, you're not supposed to do it. Um, but I, I, because I had disassociated myself from, or from my family, I, I, I had, in effect, I had isolated myself. So, you know, there was no one around me, um, um, even close friends. I'm thinking, who, who are you? Um, so I just shut the door and, and that was avoided everyone until I kept looking at this motorcycle and thought, I, I, I don't know how I'm going to ride it, but I will take it out. And so, so, so I did. And, uh, what do you I don't make know how of I that? Do you think like Sorry? you got his, his brain, so his as in the guy you were before, like his brain, like his memories, but not his soul? I mean, that's a beautiful way. That's what, that, that is a great description. That is, that, that is exactly how it was, Peggy. That's, and, and in 13 years, that's the first time I've really, it's, it, I'd like to use your analogy to the further down the line, if I may. Because yeah, it's that's, like that's you got perfect. his brain, but not his soul. Yeah, I, and, and, and that's exactly what happened. It was like, you know, oh, it's Ray. But I'm thinking, huh? um, I, I'd have to have a second thought of going, why, why has he said that to me? Why is it? And why have I gone? Huh? Um, so the disconnect was, was, was profound. You know, um, I, I literally felt somebody had been me down to earth. And, and I was a gog. Yeah, I'm, I remember seeing a crow fly by me and I couldn't understand why no one else in the street was going, what is that? 
that's that's how far the disconnect was with me. Uh, um, and it, it, in one way it was magical, but in another way it was really traumatic. It was disturbing. Um, and the the cardiac rehab was um, the real eye opener. Was was when she asked me, "What do you see?" Uh, you know, if you, why do you want a room here? Uh, and and uh, I said, I, I should, should give me an example of what you see. And uh, oh, uh, cancers, uh, you know, swelling, the, the, you know, the, just re reeled off a few things. And um, she said, cancer. I said, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and, and then the nurse asked me, did she have cancer? Uh, and, I, and it was the first time I was asked for my seeing ability um could i see anything uh, so i asked her a couple of times are you sure are you sure you want to know uh, you know are you positive you want to know she was like yeah yeah i do i do i do and um, and then when i work that way i go into a really light trance i, I, I can still talk to you but i know that i'm working and, and i asked the nurse to turn around so she's now got her back to me and um i could see it already so, but I needed to tell her where it was. So I, I remember looking down at my right hand and I watched my finger come up, my index finger, and it touched her just below her left shoulder blade. And I tapped her there and I went, it's here. I said, it's about a millimeter inside, I went, but it's asleep. It, it looked like a mouse dropping. To, that's, that's how I'd seen it. And um, she, she turned around and, and I'll never forget, she had the, was the look in her eye. She looked, I thought she was gonna tell me off. And uh, she said, really professionally, beautiful lady, really professionally, she said, for your information, where your finger tapped is where I had a, I had a tumour on the back wall of my lung. And the consultant had to go in beneath at least my shoulder blade and, and cut it out. But he told me he had to leave a piece in there. And she said, for your information, it's not one millimetre's rate, it's 1.2, I think, something like that. She said, and it matters the size like, because obviously it gets monitored. Like, you know? So um, she said, do you want to work here? Uh, and uh, I thought, wow. Um, I went, yeah, yeah. So I'd love to work here. So do you want to work on the chemo unit? And, uh, uh, yeah. Okay. So she said, you're, you're quite famous here in this hospital because of what had happened. Like, you know, it was such a bizarre incident. So the, the word had got around and, um, so that's what happened. I, I, I had the interview. Um, whilst I was in the interview, somebody else asked me what was wrong with them. We had to wait for somebody to come back. It was a really informal interview with some of the members of the staff who worked on, 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 on the chemo unit. And uh, so this other ward sister came back in and she stood at the other end of the room and she, and she said, um, we've heard all about you. We like what we hear. What do you see on me? That's what what our next question was, and and I remember looking left and right and thinking, and, and saying, "What well, here?" Uh, she said, "These these are all my friends. I haven't got any secrets." Uh, I I, uh, I said, you, you, "You've got an inflamed left ovary, I think." And um, <laughs> the room went well. She went quiet. She had that same look that the nurse had, and uh, she said, "The reason why I'm late is because I was just at the so and so fertility clinic." having the very thing looked at. And uh, she said, um, we're not gonna let you work with the patients. She said, you're just gonna stay with us and just work with us. <laughs> and, uh, but I did, I did work with the patients. And, uh, and that was, you know, that's a whole new chapter. That, that was phenomenal. Um, 
to sit next to people and, and, and they say, when I sit next to you, the pain stops. Um, or, or they'd send me patients who were hysterical, um, who they couldn't administer drugs to. Um, they would send them down to me and somehow I'd, 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 they'd fall asleep or, or, or they would. So I had this incredible impact upon people. Um, and and, and it, just, it just kept expanding. And I was there for, for 18 months. I did some incredible stuff on that unit. Just you don't incredible. do it anymore? I was told to leave. Um, um, I had this ability to see the cancer and, um, and I had to make my peace. And my mother said to me one day while she was still lucid, she said, you have to leave the chemo unit. And I went, well, what, what, why is that, mum? She said, you just, you've, you've done enough there. And, and I thought, well, I like it there, so I'm, I'm not going to go. I'm going to go against what you say. But I'll keep an eye out and, and see if anything comes up. And she was right. I, I walked past a patient there who was asleep on having his chemo. As I walked by, something came out of him and snarled at me. I, I, something else. I, 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 I don't even... It, I remember like, and I walked by and I went to the, to the tea room and I remember standing in there thinking, now I know what mum meant. And uh, so all the time I was on that chemo unit, I was always in connection with, with the cancer that people had. And because I always had to make my peace with them, you know, and, and, and there's, there's a story to that. The very lady who I had tapped on a shoulder on, on a on a shoulder blade below her shoulder blade. I remember sitting in her office with another me, me, another member of staff, and I watched the cancer flow out of this woman and go into one of her work companions. And guess what happened? That sometimes I can see the cancer three, four years down the line, even before anywhere, even before an MRI machine will will pick it up. And I, I, I remember sitting in the, in the office and I watched it come out and it drifted in, in, into the other lady and I didn't say anything. And uh, I'd heard that this lady was off work and I'd already known, you know, I'd send myself emails just to make sure I wasn't going mad. And if I have to verify my work, this is what I'd seen four years ago. Here's the, in the other email, da, da, da. So... <clears throat> I'd had a brief meeting with this, with this lady once, once again. And, and I remember going to, to her office. I remember looking at her. This is, she was the recipient of, of her workmate's cancer. You know, and her, and um, I remember having a brief meeting and she knew that I knew what was going on, right, you know, and, but I didn't say anything. She actually asked me, do I have cancer? And I already knew, and I knew she wouldn't live. Um, but I was worried that I was going to be wrong, you know? So I, 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 I didn't say much to her. All I said to her was that miracles happen, you know? And she looked at me shocked. I said, you know, they, they happen because look what happened to me here. And that was all I could tell her. I didn't see her for about another year you know, when she said, would you like to meet for coffee? And it was just before lockdown started here. And uh, I remember waiting for her. And what I did, Peggy, I'd, I'd, I'd done a drawing of her in, in my, and I put it in my back pocket. It, she hadn't told me where it was, but I had seen where it was like, you know. And um, so I, I remember sitting, waiting for her. And, and the shadow appeared in front of me and this voice said, hello, Ray. 
and, and I, I'd looked up and there she was, like, you know, she didn't have her hair on her head. She had that, you know, that, that, that hat that uh, most, most women wear if, they, if, if, if they've lost their hair. And, and she just, I just, I just knew. She was a, a beautiful friend, an absolute beautiful friend to me. And uh, we went for coffee. And, uh, and we sat down and she says to me, um, I bet you're wondering why I haven't contacted you. Uh, yeah. She said, she said I, was, I was angry with you because I knew that you knew that I wasn't going to live. And uh, so she said to me with, with a smile, she went, so, and she tapped her hands on the table, I want you to tell me where it is. And, uh, and I, I, had the, I had the drawing. Uh, uh, so it was dated and signed. Uh, and I, went, I, took, I pulled it out and it was the exact same place where a mate had it. And... Uh, she, she said, I understand now why you didn't tell me, I, you know, uh, uh, so, um, so that was it. Uh, she, she passed, um, didn't have a chance to say goodbye. I, I didn't have a, she rang me, but I didn't recognize the number and uh, I didn't, I didn't pick up. Uh, this was while she was in the hospice. So that was really difficult still to come to terms with not being able to have last words with her. And, uh, so these are the consequences of some of the work that I do. Um, and, you know, sometimes it's hard to, to do, to be, a, to be a seer and to give people that kind of news, but it's balanced when somebody contacts me or I sit next to somebody and, and the pain stops even, even um, you know, even if I can't take it away forever. Uh, one of the things that used to upset me was that I couldn't heal somebody, like, you know, so it never came back. And it affected my train of thought about being a seer. I didn't, I wasn't satisfied with what I was able to do and, but until there was a Christmas TV show and the TV show had visited a children's hospital and they were on a cancer unit. And they got to this little nine-year-old girl and they asked her, it was Christmas day, they asked her, what would she like today for, you know, as, as, as a Christmas present? And she said, all she said was, I, I want five minutes relief from the, from the pain. And it was like, it was like somebody slapped me and it was like, boof. And that was when I came to my senses of, you should be happy with what you can do. And, uh, you know, and if I could have, if I could have, I would have stood next to that girl and, and given her her five minutes uh, pain relief. And, and that, seeing her uh, had changed, had a massive impact on my viewpoint of, of, of how I help others now. And uh, so, yeah, I got a lot to thank that nine-year-old girl for. Um, so... That was the strengthening of, of, of what happened to me after my NDE experience and, and, and still it expands. Uh, I still, you know, I've, I've given talks at uh, um, teaching hospitals. Um, I've done quite a bit of TV work. Um, I, 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 do, I do whatever I can. The, the last heart operation I had was last August and I was, in the prep room waiting to, to come in and we still had to wear the, you know, the masks. And um, I got onto the, onto the, onto the gurney, got wheeled into the operating theater. And uh, I heard a member of staff say, Raymond O'Brien, that name sounds really familiar. And I, I remember looking, looking over to this, to this uh, lady in, in theater and thinking, oh, I don't, don't recognize her face. Uh, and, um, she said, did you give a talk here eight years ago? Uh, I said, yeah, yeah, I did, actually. And uh, 
she said, you blew us away on that talk. Uh, uh, she said, when you described to us that you weren't happy about being brought back, she said it had a profound effect upon us. She said it upset some of the doctors. They were angry to hear you say that. She said, but myself and quite a few others in that room hadn't realised the the because um, the title of the talk was um, surviving a cardiac arrest and the psychological issues that that follow after such an event. I was being interviewed by Professor Ken Spearpoint. Um, he's, he's a specialist within NDE. You might want to look him up. Uh, he does do really great work for near-death survivors and a specialist within the cardiac field um, and, and he's quite open-minded um, so he interviewed me so there I was in the A&E theatre and uh, being asked did I give this talk I said yeah I did so uh, she explained that um, we, we we were so smug with us some of us were really smug that we saved your life like we were sitting there going yeah it was us who saved him and uh, she said but we didn't understand the consequences of that and uh, so now I with that in mind, I was very lucky to have a, a, a very accurate do not resuscitate now. So that's something which I have with me, you know, so you, you can't you can't resuscitate me again. And um, um, a very accurate one. Um, so, you know, if there's any anybody out there as well, I don't want to, go, you know, get, get down the morbid route. But if you don't want to be resuscitated, makes it's called an advanced directive. And it gives your wishes to what you want to be done to you if you have a cardiac arrest, because there's some really brutal treatment, you know, and many of us really suffer from that, you know, uh, with, with massive psychological issues. And, uh, you know, so if, if you if you don't want to come back, do an advanced directive, get it written up properly if you can get a cardiac uh nurse to help you with that because they will understand the procedures uh about what they do to you know to help somebody you know to to bring them back and, and you know it can be quite brutal um so you know just bear that in mind so i as i said i have an advanced directive so um and i'm not to be resuscitated again um i, I personally don't want to go through it all again um i've seen enough um 10 resuscitations and and six heart attacks I'm, I'm, I'm a bit rinsed these days to be honest with you peggy um i'm i'm pleased to be uh, a um a clinician in in counseling and psychotherapy I'm, I'm, I'm you know that was probably what kept me going uh through the dark days was the understanding i was able to um self-psychoanalyze myself of what's going on here Ray. you know why are you like this why you know what are the effects um, i'm a great believer in that i personally can't go through all of this and, and not pass this knowledge on to other survivors uh you know a part of my experience was amazingly beautiful parts of it was absolutely horrific um and and but the other part is what i'm doing now is is like um what you're hearing from me now with the psychological issues are some of the real effects that millions of us go through. You know, it would, it would, quite often people would say to me, well, you know, you, you, it's just all about love, Ray, you know, and, and what, what was happening was, was that with the impact that my experience had upon myself, I couldn't achieve that self-actualization of it's just about love, like, you know, and that had a, a negative effect on me. It meant that I, I couldn't achieve that, you know? So when I started to be into, into my own practice, 
and clients would come and sit in front of me, I used to think about, well, what if I was to say to this client, all you need is love, you know? What, what does it do to them? So it altered my way of thinking. Sometimes just to say that is not enough. It can be soul destroying to the survivor, you know, because it takes four years just to recover from a heart attack, let alone, you know, from a physical viewpoint, let alone a cardiac arrest. So while somebody with the most beautiful meaning in the world is saying to you, well, love, all you need is love. That's not enough for some of us survivors. And, and we know the statistics of people who have suffered severe trauma through their experiences, that the suicide rates are massive. So something is not working within the treatment of, of these people. Maybe we're setting unobtainable goals for them to achieve. Maybe because of the way the brain is, um, many of us survivors don't know what's wrong with us until we come into a situation. You know, and then we, we have to try to, to struggle with that. Maybe try to want to hear something has said to somebody said to us or, you know, an event. I, I still, when I see an ambulance now, you know, I've seen one this morning and, and, and I have to look away, you know. So, you know, even after all of this time with all of the training that I've had and all of the clients who I've worked with and experiences that I've had, I still struggle. I still get to level black on many occasions. Uh, and it's all right that, you know, don't try to hide it. Do, do you know what? I still try not to cry about it. I still, um, in over here, if you're a therapist and, and if, you, if you belong to a certain governing body, you have to be supervised once every two weeks. That's where I sit with my peers and we talk about how we practice and how maybe the client is impacting upon us. It's so we can get feedback, you know, so, you know, so others in the room will go, you should be careful because we're seeing something which may equate to you burning out. Um, you, you know, so this is a, without that. I, I remember the, maybe a month ago, I, it was, as I explained about how it was affecting me when I was working with a client, I felt myself well up, and um, I, I was actually trying to stop, trying to hide my tears. And it wasn't until my supervisor said that this is really touching you. Uh, you know, you need to start grounding with this. And uh, and, and it, that after so many years, 13 years of when I, I remember saying to, to, to my peers, do you know what? I'm, I'm not gonna try to hide it anymore. If, if I cry, I cry, uh, you know, it's, it's too much to, you know, but many of us feel that need for it. Do you know when they interviewed the veterans, you know, say like maybe Normandy and, 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 and the interviewer pushes them that little bit too much and then the face fractures and then the tears start, uh, you know, that's, that's what, what I'm talking about. Uh, you know? And, you know, for, for any interviewers out there, um, you know, try to try not to push us too far, uh, you know? Um, so yeah, many who I had seen counselors, psychiatrists, I remember almost being sectioned. I thought, am I going to be sectioned here when I, when I was telling them what I was seeing, uh, you know, or, or my experience, you know, these are great fears. Um, and, and professionals, counter-transference would not really want to know about how are you suffering, that they want to know what was heaven like, <laughs> and, and, then, and then your own physical problems come second to that. Right. And, and so, so massive, just, just absolutely, it's just come with its own, yeah, it's, it's, it can be difficult. Thank God I'm still here to help others, Peggy. And my mum my, my asked me one day before Alzheimer's got her, why do you think you're back here? 
and uh, I was kind of stunned by the question because bearing in mind that my mum was my teacher and uh, I, I don't know mum and, and you know b- before I had my cardiac arrest I was traveling the world working on horses you know I had disability before <laughs> some people were, uh, were, were were asking me what's wrong with my horse and uh, they'd send me a picture uh, I got well this is what's wrong with your horse and I got to such a degree that I'd found myself in California and um you know the, the working in the corral with 12 horses and, and like just just yeah that's what's wrong with it. that's what's wrong with it so i i, I was starting to get a name for it and uh, within the horsey circles particularly here within the uk and spreading world, worldwide um so yeah just seeing all, all of this 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 kind of stuff so um very difficult to cope with um but lovely to to be here and talk to you about it so i'm sure I know that there's there's thousands of your viewers who, who are going. I, I resonate with him. I know what he's talking about. Um, you know, there, there is a dark side to the NDE, which which it, I wouldn't say that it's not spoken about. It is, but the dark side is not as sexy as I was in heaven and, and Jesus said this to me. Uh, you know, it's just it's it, it's not. It, it outshines. You know, I, I had both of those experiences. You know, um, and and you know, being on the other side and and the, the first time, which which I assumed was heaven, I don't know whether it was, but it was the most beautiful place that I have ever been to. Or can you even just imagine how it felt? It was, it was, it, it was, the incredulity and wonderment of it was just traumatic. You know, and, and I realised you can be traumatised through wonderment and that was what had happened to me you know the 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 being on the other side as a soul and then being on the other side and meeting california dave the two were equal you know the the, the trauma of the, of the two was 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 balanced and uh, you know and and this is when my mum said to me why are you back here and i went i don't know mum and she went you're back here to help others and i would felt so deflated when i heard that i thought is that it I'm back here to help. That's I know, and and the the penny dropped long after Mum died. Uh, she went in 2016, and 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 I, and I probably realised it. What she said was maybe three or four years back. Uh, that was when I, I thought I get it now. I understand the value. Mum said I recognise it now, and that's been like, my philosophy. It sounds like she meant it as a compliment. She did. She did. Yeah, 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 yeah. She, she, she knew that was probably that was all that was left for me to do, and uh, because it suits the way my brain works, you know, what I do comes comes from the most incredible source, whatever way you want to describe it. Um, uh, but it's 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 a source for good, and um, and 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 to help others. Or, or you know, or or, or, or other animals. I, I you know, I still these days um, get the odd call where somebody says to me, "What's wrong with my horse?" Uh, or somebody remembers me when I'd worked on horses before, and and uh, or, or even themselves, you know. Um, so you know, it's nice to be able to bring the balance of the, of the two to 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 our meeting today, Peggy. It really is. So, how do you feel now? I mean, do you feel you get sucked dry from this? Like do you no. give and give and like like you feel empty or or does this just seem natural? It's it's natural to me is breathing. Um, there are caveats to it. 
you know, I'm not allowed just to look at a person and go, oh, this is what's wrong with you. Um, it's, I, I have to wait for the soul. It's the soul that talks to me. Um, I'd reckon how, you may be asking, how, how, how do I recognize the soul? When I was on the chemo unit, um, there was one lady in particular, terminal cancer, she knew it. Uh, I sat in with a consultant with her um, who, who, who gave her the news. I remember walking out. Then this was the, what I loved about helping was that as we came out and she got this devastating news and um, I think she had within a month, like, you know, she wasn't, she wasn't going to be there and uh, she wouldn't be with her family anymore. And we're walking down the corridor. She's a very frail lady by this time, like, you know, but, but young, like, you know, 40, 45. And uh, I, I remember her husband couldn't take it. He was waiting upstairs in the coffee shop. That's why I, I went in with her. And um, just to give her some support, he, he, the poor man just couldn't do it. He was, he was just rinsed. Um, and uh, we were walking back down the corridor and, and she asked me, she said, Ray, will I, will I be able to drive in heaven? You know? And uh, I remember looking at her and saying, Tracy, where, where you're going, they're going to give you wings. You don't, you don't need to drive. Like, you know? <laughs> and and, and the, the sense of... She, she, she just said, I know you've been there, uh, she said, and I, and I believe you. And to have experienced everything that I went through that night, um, and not just the night, I just want to say to others who are watching this, is that it was what I picked up on, on the chemo unit, and it, and it, and it resonated with me, right, you know, is that not many people talk about this, and it's the nearing death experience. It's how the person changes on the run up to their death, you know. So for me, it was it was lack of oxygen, you know, which affected my train of thought. It affected my behaviour. It affected my patience. I had probably I remember my, my first heart attack. I remember it hitting down the inside of my arm. I was driving early one morning, but I didn't recognise it as a heart attack. But that would have already affected my my psychological processing as does when people were running up to being diagnosed with cancer. One of the themes that ran through when I was on the cancer unit was some of the, the patients, relatives would, would, would pull me up and go, Ray, why does he say such horrible, vile things to me? Uh, you, know? you know, I'm there to help. And, and you know, when you've heard this quite a few times, you start to think that there's a theme going on here. And it, and it was like it shook me because I had said horrible, vile things on my run up to my death, but could never know why it was so out of character. You know, so again, you know, those who are watching your show who might be holding that, you know, I, I was there to the end, but you said this to me, you know, and, and you know, they can't understand why, you know, that, 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 you know, I want to give them a little bit of an insight into that, why we, why we may say these things. You know? I think our anger comes to surface in moments. Yeah. Of desperation like that yeah it does does it and, and we don't know you know we don't know what's happening to us many of us you know if, until we're diagnosed or or the, the event touches us but we don't you know we don't we don't we only see it from our internal field of reference we don't see it from the external field of what people are experiencing you know it, it's the when it came to the cancer patients it was the toxification of, of in in the blood it was the guests it was their cancer that was, as the cancer was growing, it has to eat, you know? So anything that eats, what goes in has got to come out. 
that, you know, and, and these are picked up within the markers of the blood and that's how they identify that you have cancer, you know, because of, of the, I know it's a simplistic term, but that's a way to explain, but that's how I see it. And, and I smell, I get, there's a, there's a smell, I, I recognize it. How do you think it happened that cancer went from one woman to another and you saw that? I, I, I've got no explanation. I, 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 it was the first time I'd seen it. It, it, it was the first time, and, and, and I'll tell you what, people are probably watching this now and going, what, cancer is contagious. There's something wrong with this blood, but I'm, I'm only saying what I've seen. Uh, you know, it, it, it's maybe later down the line, we'll, we'll go, yeah, I, I can see how that works. Is that the only but time, fit, is that the only time that, you saw that? that? That's the only time, but it's not the only time that I've seen cancer. You know, I, I've seen it, I, I've seen it with impatience. I understand what it means to the cancer and what the the ripples could be to you um, of how the cancer gets angry it's like because now you're attacking it and, and, and you know it, it's a living organism you know it, it doesn't matter what we say it's still part of us and uh, um, you know so it's it's i used to feel so such an amount of sadness uh, for you know, see people or heard of people who are on the cancer unit who've been fighting for five or six years, you know, and um, and and you know, I, I I understand why people will go through all of that. I, I get that, you know, the the driver of life is we everyone wants to live a little bit longer, um, but you know, it comes at a price, and and I'd seen that price on on quite a few occasions, and and I, which left me questioning, what would I do? Would I do that? I, you know, and the answer is 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 still out there for me. I I they, they offered me the heart operation back in August. I was at death's door, and uh, not not just at death's door, but I, I was knocking on the door, uh, really close. This is where all of the uh, the, the last six heart attacks came from over the last two and a half years. I got lost in the system. COVID came. If it hadn't have been for a good buddy, a heart consultant. And uh, Dr. Garney, he rang me up and said, how did your operation go? And I said, I haven't had it. He said, I put you in as an emergency operation, Ray. And he, he went, I, and he went, leave it to me. So within six weeks, they had me in and, and they were doing what they had to do. Um, so um, I, <clears throat> I wasn't going to have the operation because I didn't want, I knew there'd be consequences. And, uh, and if it wasn't for two people who everyone else didn't, they just said, oh, I respect your wishes, I, you know. And, uh, but I, I, two people I listened to, uh, do I do, I, I love their intentions, I know why they did it, but I shouldn't have had the operation that, that so I feel a hypocrite, to be quite honest with you. Uh, because now you have to pay the ferryman. And um, it's like you have to take what comes at you because I chose to, you know, the, 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 where I was before the operation, I was really, I knew I was really close to death. I knew it. I'd already let go, uh, you know, and, and I'd been there before. I, I knew what it felt like. I wasn't moving, you know, the blood was just circulating in it. You know, it's just virtually heart attack after heart attack. And uh, so, you know, in all truthfulness, um, I know some people might not agree with it, but I, I shouldn't, I shouldn't have, I shouldn't have done it. I shouldn't have had it. I, I should have uh, stuck to my word. Uh, this was so last August. 
this was last August. Yeah, 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 yeah. And um, I and, and why do I say that? The price I had to pay started even before I had the operation. They called me in for an MRI scan, and I had a vision about it, and uh, I was really frightened. And it was in a really famous hospital here in London, uh, St. Thomas, St. Thomas's Hospital. And uh, they said they were going to test my heart out and they're going to inject an iodine into me and see what, what was blocked. But I remember them saying, I thought, here it comes. They said, but there is a chance, a really rare chance that um, there'll, there'll be, that it will stop your heart, right, you know, of, of what we're going to do. And, and I remember thinking, that's what I'm worried about. So I got there. I even rode my motorcycle there. I can't even believe it. Now, you know, uh, that was how much I, I I didn't think about this. How little I thought about what this procedure was. Uh, and um, I got changed the change room. Walked out to the MRI machine. Got put into the MRI machine. It was really tight in there. Never been in one before. Uh, just lots of noise. And um, I, I was in there for, I, I don't know, getting on for nearly an hour, I think. And um, I, I, they said, just another five minutes. And I thought, yeah, I was wrong. I was wrong. I don't know why was I was so worried. Why was I so worried? Oh, Ray, we're out of here in five minutes. Great. And then I heard the, the tannoy just above my head crackling to life again. So we're just going to come in. We're just going to inject you. And it, it was like, oh, no. I, you know, and I, and I felt the coldness coming to my left arm, whatever they injected me with. And then the last time I suffocated to death, which is what happened to me, you know, when you have a cardiac arrest, that's what, that's what in effect, that's what happens to you. It's like you just stop breathing. And boom. Um, I remember thrashing around when, as I was, as I was suffocating. And the same thing happened inside the MRI machine. I, I looked like something out of that John Carpenter's f uh, film, The Thing, where it was thrashing around on the floor, like, you know? But I was doing this inside the machine, and, and I knew I was suffocating to death. Oh. And, uh, yeah, I, I knew it. I, I knew it. And I looked, I remember my knees were banging the top of the... Um, oh, gosh. Uh, uh, yeah, it was, it, was, it was a nightmare. It was a, it was a, that was the price. The next thing, I, I, I blacked out. And um, it was over. And I, I, I remember waking up. Uh, they, they had the antidote. They said, if whatever happens, it will bring you around within 30 seconds. Like, you know? and, uh, but I don't think they was, I don't know whether, I don't know how alert they were. I don't know how long I was out for. And, uh, but they injected me with the antidote. Obviously kick-started my heart. And I remember being stunned absolutely it was like i've been hit by lennox lewis or marvin hagler i was just smashed i, I, I remember sitting there in, in my robe with my feet hanging over the uh, the edge of the machine and i was looking at the staff and they were all going you're right are you all right and i and all i could think peggy was i've been here before that's all i've got to hold on to i've, I've been here before and, and i went yeah 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 i'm, I'm okay Know. Were you allergic to the dye? Um, I couldn't tell you why I had the reaction, but they were ready for it. Right, you know, so it obviously happens. And, oh. uh, it, it, it's, it's, it wasn't the dye. They give you, it, it was the amphetamine. It, it was to speed up the heart 
and then they were going to give you the die, uh, you know. So what they had me on beta blockers, which which worried me, was because the beta block blockers kept the heart at a set rate. And now what they were going to do, they were going to inject me with something to speed the heart up. But I'd already taken medication not to speed the heart up. So there was just this, my just heart just went, <laughs> I felt it go, ah! and then boom. It's confused. Um, <laughs> confused. Um, <laughs> Wow. Um, I lied to the staff. I went, I'm all right. I'm okay. I went to the changing rooms and, and it was at that point I started to think, I rode here by motorcycle. How on earth? How on earth? I'm gonna, I'm a, uh, you'll be all right there, I remember saying. So I waved them goodbye. Thanks. Thanks a lot. I wobbled off down the corridor, hit the lift button, got off at the wrong floor, confused, got back into the lift, walked out. And I remember looking at the motorcycle and, and it looked huge. It looked, it looked bigger than it did before I, 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 so I remember thinking, I can't, I can't ride it. I can't, I can't ride it home. And out the corner of my eye, there was the Florence Nightingale Museum, because Florence Nightingale used, the hospital is so old that that used to be her hospital, like, you know. Hospital's been there since the 14th century, and then it was built on, a, on Roman, on a old Roman ruins, you know. So there's always been some sort of hospital there. And uh, I, I remember at the corner of my eye thinking, something said, you need to go in there. Uh, you know, it'll give you time to try to, whatever's happened to you, to, to shake your head. So it, it, you had to pay to, to get in. <laughs> I, I didn't. I, walk, I walked right because I didn't know. I just walked right by. And there was, there was a group of, of tiny little school children. <laughs> and, and, and as I walked in, obviously because of what they'd given me, I, I thought I was tripping out. And, and I, I remember looking at these little tiny kids thinking, it's, are these like, you know, the seven dwarfs? <laughs> and uh, I'm, I'm walking around looking at them, but don't, don't pay attention. The woman has caught me up and told me that I had to pay to get in. So I, I gave her some money. I walked around, managed to compose myself as much as I could, walked out to the motorcycle, started it up, and then drove, joined the streets of London. And that was the, the most crazy ride home I'd, I'd, I'd ever had. And... Uh, but it was a nasty experience. Was, you um, ever so. wonder why you always tell people you're okay when you're not? <laughs> I, do, I, do, um, I think, do you know what? <laughs> I think um, because I, for me, I think it shows it, it, it's in, in the world that I was brought up in. Um, to say that you're not was, was taken as a sign of weakness. And uh I, 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 I was grown up, I was brought up in an army family. And, oh. uh, you know, so, you know, so, you know, there, there, there's no other way but fight, basically. Uh, I was born to a family of warriors. And um, so, you know, you didn't, you didn't come home. And because um, you'd, you'd, you'd be told, like, you know, get back and, and sort that out. Otherwise, I'll sort it out. And you're like, uh oh. So that was, that was, that kind of held that. It's not good. So it's not it's not a good way to be, and, uh, and that's what I'm trying to undo now, even at this later stage in life, really. So yeah, it's, uh... just kind of, you know, I'm kind of that way in some ways. Like I just go help everybody, help everybody, and then it comes to me. I'm like, I don't have an idea. I don't have a clue. What, what, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but Peggy, you have to. You have to. I'm, I know you know this, uh, but otherwise, you you know, you you wouldn't have said what you just said. It's, it's, it's that stopping and standing still. It's, I, I have only really just 
come to terms with that um, really within the last six months. Um, I, I, I couldn't, even though I wanted to help others, I couldn't, you know, the, my, my soul kept saying, well, what about, what about us? You know, what, what about a bit of self-care for you? You know, it's all right to, to say, I can't do that. Or, you know, I don't, I don't feel up to it today because of, uh, you know, um, you know, I, 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 I work, I, I do work with the SAI, Spiritual Awakenings International. I've done work with IANS. I've been a keynote speaker with them. Uh, I've given talks, all, you know, so many places. Um, but not once did it kind of dawn on me that, well, where are you, Ray? Where are you in all of this, uh, you know? And uh, so, yeah, it's only been very recently where I've, I've, I've gone, hang on a minute. Um, been, been finding a lot of, um, what's, what am I looking for? Been finding a lot of solace in, in my local church. Uh, I got a very old church built in 1088. Uh, so the feeling when you walk in there, it's over a thousand years old. It's just incredible. Um, and, and, you know, that's where I, I, I get my strength from. Uh, um, yeah, yeah. So I, lo I, lo I love life now, but I shouldn't have had the operation. But that's me, you know. Um, I know that... Um, Do you say that because you think you should have just died? uh yeah 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 uh I, I i was i was i had it the last before the heart operation the last heart operation in august um where they recannulated me um otherwise it would have been um a bypass heart bypass uh, and um so once again somebody upstairs loves me um but i wanted to go home peggy i wanted to go home and and it's not so bad now uh, because I, I, I found my purpose, I genuinely have. I have a purpose, not a job, a purpose. You know, I'm, I'm still off, I'm still on welfare. Uh, I still suffer massively through, you know, the dark moments. Uh, and uh, and I'm, I'm still recovering from the last two and a half years of being at death's door, which comes into part of the self-care thing again. Uh, but the desire to go home is, is, is still there. You know, this is there in my advanced directive do not resuscitate uh, and uh, you know uh, I, I, uh, I, I cheated death too much and uh, yeah, you get, I've gotten to that point now where it's uh, I'm exhausted although I still have energy to do what I do but um, the I, I, next time I'm, I'm too exhausted to fight uh, so um, I'm talking to my cardiac consultant tomorrow so i'll have some words have a little chat with him uh, about things that have been going on since the operation so um yeah it's uh, the desire to go home is <laughs> to go back to that place I'm sure you know it, it it's 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 just um I, I know it sounds selfish um and, and maybe 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 it can be interpreted that way but um for me it's just over it's overwhelming it's, it's home and um, i've not felt anywhere like it since then nothing that song nothing compares and uh just so yeah that's uh, that, that's where i am with it there's a yeah. song about um everyone wants to go to heaven but nobody wants to go right now Yes. Yeah. 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 I'm, I'm, I'm the other side of that. <laughs> it's like um, it's it's and, and it's really difficult, like you know, because it's the line of work that I do. 
you know, I have to be really careful that that is not projected um, over to a client, like, you know, you know to, just as in the, the sense of, oh, just give up this beautiful go. You know, I, I have to be really aware of that. And, um, you know, and, and, and again, I think I, I've been blessed in one way um, to have this experience because I can help others. So, um, yeah, but, but I can't forget all of us survivors can't forget about us within this, like, you know, uh, it, yeah. it, for many of us, it is really difficult to, to, you know, to carry on because of what some of us have seen. Uh, and, uh, I think we have experiences like this and we end up talking about death a lot to help others. Yeah. I think it yeah. might be easy to forget life, you know, yes. stop and enjoy yeah. life while we're here. Yeah. Cause eternity yeah. is a long time. <laughs> Yes, yes, it is. It is. It, it is pain. And, 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 you know, I'm with you. While you're here, you know, get get the most out of it. Uh, I, I, I certainly do. Uh, and, uh, you know, I, try, I try, try to live each moment as it's my last. I don't look too far in the future. I'm very much a, an in-the-moment person now rather than projecting, oh, yeah, life would be great, you know, further. No, no it's about now. You know, I, 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 I honestly believe that all I have is is – the moment and memories anything else is a fantasy uh um, and, and i think that's kept me quite grounded really uh, so yeah try not to make too many future plans because you just don't know but that's me you know, yeah. no, i'm talking for i, I yeah yeah. Uh, yeah that's all i am well thank you so much thank that's you i've loved talking to you <laughs> very interesting uh get a picture here with you um it's been very interesting you're very unique, I'm sure you know, to what you were brought back with. I mean, a lot of us are brought back with gifts, but it's just like, you are the gift. <laughs> you know, you just don't have Thank gifts. You. you are the gift. You're just a walking, you know, miracle. The words you can see, you know, what's wrong with people and be able to know. And it seems like you're here for a reason. I mean, like your yeah. mom said. And yeah. that doesn't mean you're not here for no other reason than this yes you're here to enjoy your life and get what exactly. you can out of your life like you know like we're all trying to do you know stop yeah. and smell the roses i gotta remind myself of that too you know yeah. but put yeah. everything aside and just go do something find something fun today so that's that's that's, that's so and do you know what Peggy? i had forgotten i i i, I all i could see was the purpose uh, and um and, and I love when you said smell the roses there. Um, one thing I noticed on the other side was, was the perfume, was the scent. And um, I was visiting my mum one day and my mum had some beautiful roses outside. She had them there for nearly 40 years. And uh, I parked my motorcycle on the pathway. My mum and my sister were at the doorway saying goodbye to me. And as I pedaled the bike back, there was a rosebud, you know, and I lifted up my, my crash helmet and, I, and I, I, took a, I took a smell of the scent of the rose. And uh, I, I recall, I, I just started crying. And, uh, I felt my, my head dropped down and uh, I heard my sister say, what's up? Like, you know? And it was the smell of those roses which was the exact same smell that I smelled on the other side. And um, I now 
have a cutting of, of, of that rose bush which is in, in my garden and and so yeah um that to me is is the scent of heaven um so yeah so when you said stop and smell the roses yeah yeah people stop and smell the roses um and you know there is more to life than the death I, yeah. and, and you're so right peggy like your head you know dropped to your side and your shoulder you're gone mine dropped to my chest you know we know what that feels like and it's strange yeah. to be here and know what that last moment's like and then we're yeah. back and it seems like we're kind of always on edge because we know how close death can be it's just like yes. that yeah and it's like maybe we can kind of be afraid to live because we yes. know it can just happen like we don't want the rug pulled out from us again so yes. quickly yeah. and we always got to be you know, talking about death or prepare for death. Uh, yes, yeah. Sometimes we forget, just live, smell the roses, enjoy life because here or there, we're okay. So, yeah. but you yeah. know, it's like yeah. really, I think we need to focus on here more sometimes. <laughs> yeah, right. so the, yeah, that, that's, and, and you know, that's beautiful to say that. And you know, that, that, that those profound words you've, you've you said there it's, it is easy just to focus in in, in in on the dark side and and there are still the same for you there are still moments where i just think i'm glad i'm back here you know? um, and i think like with any job like if you're working in a hospital and you're just dealing with sickness or you work in a middle hospital and you're dealing with that kind of sickness or you know no matter what job you have you're focused on that. Like I work on the pipeline with my husband. It's like, oh, I don't want to focus on pipe. <laughs> he loves doing that. Yes. I, I, I got to put my mind somewhere else because uh, I don't want to be there, but I, you know, I, I got to work with it. And so, but yeah, like any job, I think we just need to step away. And it's really hard, especially I think when we're in past, we tend to soak up, especially I imagine you, where you actually can see what's going on physically with people you know I take on people's emotions and I just can feel what's going on with them and it's and I have to be away from everybody for a while to get that yes. away from me yes so I yeah. can't imagine you with you know when you were around cancer and illness and and you're even seeing it as a physical thing yes. in, in people yeah. or that one time you know going from person to person how that must darken you it, I don't know it, what else it, word it, to use um it, it it didn't darken me okay um it was the first time i'd seen it uh i've seen it since um i'd seen it in pennsylvania and irons talk um I, I i was talking to jeff o'driscoll i know yeah uh, 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 uh just love love talking to him we're in the hotel lobby and uh, out of the corner of my eye, I'd, I'd seen a person with something sitting upon them. And um, I've, I, I'm, I since know that what I'd seen has, has, has been verified. And um, so I'm, I'm in communication with that person. And I remember talking to, G to Jeff O'Driscoll and, and that's what I'd seen was this thing on top of this person, literally feeding off them. Uh, you know, the person that was, was, did not, was not aware whatsoever. And, and, and you know, in, in, in reference to what, to what you ask about, how do I see stuff? I remember how bizarre I felt talking to Jeff 
and then out of the corner of my eye, watching watching this this person walk away with with this thing on top of them and um but still having presence to to, to talk to jeff um that was was like a a real twist um but again yeah i've i've i've, I've been I, I was born as a seer you know so um to to such a degree um i'll, I'll keep this one short uh, um father's in the army based in germany mother mother was german um I remember being walked over to the ornamental gardens, which were opposite the uh, place where we were staying. And there was an old lady there, a great big black rimmed hat, stooped to a spine, cane in the left hand, all dressed in black. Uh, the dress went down to her feet, black shoes, black gloves, black veil, uh, you know, uh, and we stopped by this, by this lady. And uh, there was little old me, maybe four or five, I think about five, uh, my mother, and then she was called Omar. And uh, I remember my saying, my, I remember hearing my mum talk to Omar in German, and then the conversation got heated. And, uh, and then I remember Omar walking off angrily, like, you know, just like this old lady. Still didn't, I didn't see her face. The only one in my family who's seen her face is my mum and my sister, but I, 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 I never have. So that was back in late 60s. Right, you know? And um, I remember asking my mum, why were you arguing with, with Omar? And uh, mum looked down at me and she said, Omar said it was time that you were to go with her to, uh, to be taught, right, you know, to start learning about, about who you are. And, uh, but I said, no. That you was that I was going to teach you, and that you was to stay with me, and uh, that, well, okay. And uh, so, fast forward, two thousand and five. I'm in Germany with my mum in the very town, opposite where the ornamental gardens were. We were there to visit family, and uh, we were just about to turn the corner in Schürzenstrasse, and the light changed, and it and uh, just the light around it as we turn the corner guess who was standing there it was omar still still dressed in black still with a stoop cane but she i mean i hadn't seen her since i was four or five you know that was the last time i'd seen her and and, and by rights working it out i don't know how old she would have been I, I couldn't i couldn't even tell you you know but she she didn't she 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 said hello to me and, and she still had a cane and she moved she moved her index finger as if as if to like so she knew who I was. But something told me to look at my mum, and uh, because I knew that Omar was judging my mum on by what Omar was seeing as, as she was looking at Raymond, and there was a shuffle in my mum. I'll never forget that my my mum looked uncomfortable. You know, and um, but that's another story. But but, but yeah, so th these 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 you know to be trained to 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 see unusual things. Um, it's, now, uh, is so, cancer the only illness you see? Um, I what's the most recent one I've been doing? Uh, quite quite a few, and, and bearing in mind again that I have to wait 
for you to speak to me that they're, 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 in all that I do in my scene there's still the privacy of the person uh, you know I, 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 I've done sneaky stuff before I've been asked to do sneaky stuff um, and I was caught I, you know, I knew it wasn't right but I was asked by my mother to do it and uh, but I was caught doing it uh, you know by the very person I mean how the person knew the, the, the answer was ask him to stop what he's doing I don't like him visiting me that was the answer like you know so um so but again that's that's um that's not a story but yeah i i the seeing side is as easy to me as it is for you to sit there and breathe now that's uh but there are okay. caveats it's, it's the, the seeing side is as easy for me to do as it is for you breathing as as, as you are now that and that's as much thought as i give to it um but i can't i can't look at stuff without being allowed and um that's not what i've learned and i can't say i'll offer you healing that the person has to ask me you know and um i knew i could could do this do you remember the lady who i walked down the corridor with i knew that the soul escaped the body when it was being heavily sedated with uh, opioids that was in in the room that i'm in now in, in this corner here one night i remember i looked up and I, I've been on the chemo unit. She, she was one of one of my clients. She used to come in. I died the little chapel, the little chapel room where I used to work out. Of. And um, I, I recognised her soul. You know, it was she started talking to me, and but the soul was lost. And that's the first thing I picked up. And 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 but the soul recognised me. It obviously got lost, and it come it come to see me. So I, I spoke to the soul. I said, I'll, I'll bring you back. I have that ability to bring the soul back to the person. And um, so when I got in the next day, she she was booked in for her chemo, and uh, and I asked her. I I I said, Tracy, were you was you in a lot of pain last night? She, she I said about about quarter past nine in the evening. She said, Yeah, Ray. She said I was in so much pain that I was crawling around on the floor on all fours. I couldn't take any more oromorph, otherwise I would have overdosed. I, you know. And that was when I'd realized that's what sets the soul free. It, it's the drugs that set the soul free. The, the, you know, and, and when I, I actually ended up with such another blessing, I was asked to work at a hospice. And walking through the hospice, everybody was heavily sedated. And that was, to me, as a seer, I watched the souls literally, literally pinging off the walls while the, while the patients were lying on their beds in the fetal position. And it blew my socks off because I was to, to go and see another woman who was who was terminally ill. She had like 48 hours to live. And um, even even when I got to see this woman after I'd seen the souls pinging off the walls, I was trying to compose myself when I got to this to the bed where the woman was on the chemo unit. So I'd known her for quite a while. And uh, when the curtains got pulled back again, didn't have a hair on her head, uh, clearly was close to death. Um, and had a, a, an oxygen mask on. And as I sat down on the bed next to her, I heard her, mm -hmm, she mumbled. And, and her, her daughter moved in. And um, I'd already known, I'd already said to her daughter that your mum's soul had come to visit me last night. Um, and, and, but she, I don't know whether she believed me or not. And uh, so when I sat next to the person who was terminally ill and she said this thing through a mask what she actually said was that my soul had come to visit raymond last night 
and and you should have seen the daughter's face it was like <laughs> wow um and, and and that you know to hear that that was remarkable so those were the insights has scientists studied you no no i i i won't allow it um my if science if scientists wants wants to know how i how i work i i would i would so we'll speak to my clients like you know um, um you know they they'll speak for me you know, be, because i'm i'm only human i don't get it wrong very often but i do get it wrong and and it will be the day when um i i'll, I'll be sitting there you know um and, and you know because this doesn't even though i i i can i can tell you what's wrong with with you you still have to allow me to do that you know i can't sit here and go oh yeah I'll, you know what what's in that envelope or none of that uh, the way that i work is that the soul speaks to me uh, it allows me to look and until that happens sometimes it can take the soul i bump into people and um and i've literally seen them vibrate when the soul has gone wow um, and then I know straight away, I start knowing what's wrong with you, because like, you know, the soul will tell me, like, well, wow, we've never met anyone like Raymond before. So if I say to you right now, can you look at me and see if you see like cancer? Like, does that work like that? I would, I would, I would if, if you asked me, um, I would, I would give you a private answer. Uh, I'd message you back, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't say on here. Uh, because no, I, I simply tell me if you see. <laughs> I, sim I, 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 I already see one thing on it, but I'm not going to mention it here. Uh, but I'll, okay. I'll, I'm, I'll, I'm, I'm that. So, so you've allowed me to to look. Uh, um, so that that is, um, I do an awful lot of that. Um, but again, Peggy, people have to have to have, you know, have to ask me. Um, it's not it's not my right to look. Like, you know. Yeah, um, you look, you go ahead and look, <laughs> and message me later. <laughs> I shall, I shall, I shall. So that that in that's a small, a little tiny. We scratched the surface of um, of Raymond O'Brien's um, escapades up to up to this <laughs> moment in time. So um, it's, it's been it's been it's been a real pleasure talking to you Peggy. it really has yeah. and i hope you viewers have enjoyed it too yes i have i have enjoyed it very much well enjoy the rest of your day and, and we'll you. See you later <laughs> thank you i shall do you take care uh-huh bye-bye bye-bye <laughs>